Cape Talk. Plan B with Rebecca Davis. And Rebecca, South Africa all out for 222. What do you know, John? And you will immediately note the significance of that number, double Nelson. And also almost the amount of the Powerball money that I had as good as spent before I did not win it this week. Uh, Rebecca very carefully <laughs> finessing over her complete <laughs> ignorance of why 222. Uh, many cricketing teams have um, three ones, triple one, 111 or 222 or 333 as a superstitiously negative number. And when teams, superstitious teams and all teams are superstitious, when an individual bats or a team is on that number they the stand play- up no the players lift their feet off the floor they remain sitting same thing john the fact that <laughs> you, you assume you i did not know you that you can't stand up and lift your feet off the floor it's it basically impossible it's not i'm tempted to put you in a half nelson john would you like me to explain the origin of that term <laughs> i'd love you to <laughs> Let's let's talk about that. I thought it was really interesting. The first question that I posed to the reporter who was present at the beef briefing given by Brian Darmus and Patrice Motsepe of African Rainbow New Energy or whatever it's called, Arem, uh, was it's extraordinary that the um, the allegations around preferential treatment for the Motsepe family and the husbands of the sisters has reached a point where they felt they had to respond. Well, has it, John? I don't know. My feeling is that it hasn't at all, and my feeling is also that it should have. So Patrice Motsepe taking the quite unusual step this week of giving this press conference saying, yes, it is true, I have no less than two brothers-in-law in the current cabinet, and that is, of course, Cyril Ramaphosa and Jeff Khadeve, the energy minister, and him saying, I realize how this looks, guys, I really do, but I need to make clear there is no impropriety, we do limited business with government, and so forth. I felt as if actually... What, what has prompted that, obviously, is the pre- predominantly the EFF. Malema has been making dark mutterings about Motsepa for s- some time, and so have the EFF's followers on social media. But there's been actually very little take-up of that, as far as I can see, from the mainstream media. And that is despite the fact that we are looking potentially at some substantial conflicts of interest here, John. For instance, there was the fact that Cyril Ramaphosa, when he announced the ESCOM Sustainability Task Team last year, he appointed Brian Darmus to it. Brian Darmus, who is the CEO of Motsepe's company, Africa Rainbow Energy and Power. Brian Darmus did very quickly withdraw. Brian Darmus withdrew. Why did Ramaphosa consider it acceptable in the first place to appoint his brother-in-law's CEO as part of a team? Because his brother-in-law's CEO was once the CEO of ESCOM, and perhaps the the, the jury is out on the current CEO, Pakomeni Khadebe, but prior to him, uh, Brian Darmus was regarded as the... But the, the point only, remains, he yeah. is the CEO of a private energy company very closely linked to Ramaphosa, which has flesh in the energy game, which has investment in independent power production, and until Monday was rumored to be wanting to purchase some of ESCOM's other assets, namely its housing division. So, I mean, even just from the perception of impropriety, I think it was a strange, strange gesture of Ramaphosa to put Damas on that task team. I think Damas was right to step down. My question is why we aren't scrutinizing all this more closely. And I really feel that we're not, in fact, including the fact that the Hawks are currently looking into corruption in MTN during the period where Cyril Ramaphosa was chairperson. The corruption involves an Iranian deal. And we saw um, Adrian Bassan, who I have nothing but respect for, the News24 
editor, running a column this week suggesting that the Hawks are now going after MTN during Ramaphosa's administration uh, uh, chairmanship because they're trying to get to Ramaphosa because of his anti-corruption Rogue stance. elements within those still allied John, to Jacob how can this be? How can we suddenly have come to a point where if the Hawks are investigating corruption in which Cyril Ramaphosa might be implicated, our response is, oh, it must be fake because Cyril is so anti-corruption. Can I just remind everyone? But that's not the response. The, that, the, the response is that, and, and Adrian put it in his column, and he said it to me when I interviewed him about it, of course, if there was any corruption, then Cyril Ramaphosa must take whatever consequences are attendant but upon that corruption. But his knee-jerk response was, quote, it raises the specter of faction in the Hawks is digging up dirt on Ramaphosa and his associates. When indeed there is, you know, prima facie evidence that there was corruption in that deal, Ramaphosa was the chairman of NPN at the time. I mean, it's perfectly legitimate. The Hoffman legitimate. report said there wasn't any corruption in that deal. The point is, surely we cannot, and I feel that we are, and I'm talking about the media, but also large sections of the public. We are placing Sura Ramaphosa on a kind of pedestal where we are assuming quite you know, quite naively, I think, that he is above scrutiny in certain regards because he's already rich, because, you know, of course he was a businessman, therefore, by necessity, he will have businessman friends, businessman family members, that's fine. But it is worth reminding where we have come from, which is from a decade where South Africa was fleeced to the tune of billions by a president who abused power to enrich himself and his businessman friends. And at the very least, surely, we should be maintaining a reasonable degree of scrutiny over the incumbent president and his cronies. That is all I have to say on that. And you say it with great passion. Thank you, John. No, I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, I, I'm... I think I'm so profoundly cynical about the nexus between big business and government all over the world. Mm. Uh, the notion of the old boys club, you know, Tony Blair giving people life peerages in return for donations to the Labour Party while Tony Blair was the Prime Minister of Britain and the way that uh, various companies linked to the Bushes and Cheneys got reconstruction con contracts in Iraq once sure. that, that country was being, <coughs> quote unquote, uh, reconstructed and, and so on. I mean, this stuff happens. There's an old boys club between big corporations and government wherever you go in the world. That's and true. I suppose I look at, at Cyril and, and his corporate contacts as being no more than a Southern African expression of that. That's and I don't see any evidence that it goes beyond that to the kind of... Um, <sighs> Wrong word, but but to 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 the levels to which the the Zuma administration sunk. And, but that's exactly what we yeah. have to maintain vigilance about. about and I yeah. do think it's worth mentioning that the man who bought Shanduka from from Cyril Ramaphosa, one of his closest former business colleagues, is the only South African, the major South African, who stands to benefit from Total's gas discovery off the coast of Mossel Bay, which has been you know criticised by environmentalists and the like, and it's in Cleco. Who yeah, but I mean, Schleko has been um, with, with Total for, for years, long before this deal came up. So I think we must be careful of, of, of overframing evidence. We must be vigilant, but at the same time, we mustn't fall into the trap of thinking that just because a rich business person is about to get even richer as of another deal, there must therefore, per se, per force, be corruption involved in it. No, but we must also 
we, I think we, we basically agree, John. What I'm yeah. saying is, particularly because Cyril Ramboza comes from a particular sector, which is mineral resources, extraction, and the likes, I think there's every reason that we should keep a, a close eye on deals involving mining, energy, and the likes, because we know that those yeah. are the circles in which... We are 100% his... in agreement. Great. I wonder whether we are going to be in agreement on the matter of Casta Semenya, the... Committee for Arbitration in Sport Hearing, which is happening in Lausanne at the moment, wraps up tomorrow. We're told that there will be a judgment issued. And as far as I know, that judgment is um, is unappealable. So whatever the CAS says is essentially, and even though this has been brought by the IAAF or been brought by Casta Semenya against an IAAF ruling, this issue is something that all sports, all sports governing bodies, international governing bodies are are wrestling with. Mm. And whatever the CAS decides in this matter, I presume will then cover intersex transgender athletes in all sports. And I do sometimes feel as if I'm hoeing a fairly lonely row here because I'm just about the only person I know who doesn't go Casta must be allowed to run. There must be no interference. She's our heroine and we must not. Right, John. Well, it's been a gorgeous six years here on this show. So you're one of those. (laughs) No, I I think that there are questions, legitimate questions to be asked about fairness in sport, but that this doesn't seem to me to be one of the most pressing ones at all, and that's why I can't understand the passion with which the IAF seems to be pursuing it. And these are my questions, John. I just jotted down a few. They're not new. We know these. First of all, why should testosterone levels only be regulated in women? We know that testosterone levels in men also vary greatly and give some men an advantage and others, you know, perhaps don't have that benefit. But why are we so focused only on what it does to women? Secondly, if testosterone gives you such an advantage as is claimed in Caster's case, why is it that the Indian sprinter Dati Chand actually had relatively poor timings. Then we have to accept well, that well, it's well, not well, just well, testosterone. Well, if without testosterone, her times would have been even poorer, is the answer to that. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, we don't have any evidence of that, do we? Well, there is some evidence, yes, because one of the people who is one of the academic experts who is testifying on behalf of the IAAF is a transgender woman who has been collecting such evidence and has been collecting evidence on the impact of testosterone on transitioning men into women. Right, but I'm asking in Dutchie Chan's case, for instance, do we have a clear set of no, results but, for her pre no, no, and post? No, but we don't, but this... this this particular doctor is going to be testifying about the, um, the the transitioning athletes that she has been testing and what testosterone has done or the um, the lowering of testosterone in, in their bodies has been doing to their times, which is dramatically lowering them. But in Caster's case, for instance, you know, she takes the hormones that the IAF make her take and that is... You know, people say that's why she didn't win gold in 2012 at the Commonwealth Games, the Olympics. She's beaten only into second place, John, by a Russian who's later found to be a doper, right? So there's no evidence, actually, that that there was a drastic drop in her performance there. She she missed out to a woman who was legitimately taking drugs. I have. Why are they not looking at field events? Why are they not looking at the sprint events? Why are they not looking at the longer distance events like the 5,000 and 10,000? And that is a huge question. Further, why has the timing of this hearing seemingly been designed to ensure that Caster will miss the athletics season? Because if she loses the hearing, they will prescribe that she must take testosterone blockers for six months ahead of the season. The season starts in six months and two days. So it will ensure that she will miss 
part of that season. Is that coincidence, John? I mean, the whole thing smacks of a vendetta. Probably not, but she is the most extreme example of the question. And I'm certainly not somebody who says, as some do, that she must immediately be put on a testosterone-blocking program. I, I simply say that when you are separating there, there are three i was told this by show manjra he made the point to me in an interview earlier this week that there are three areas where divisions are made one is in age one is in weight mm-hmm. and one is in gender and if you're going to have male and female events then you need some point at which you say on this side is a man on that side is a woman mm-hmm. if you don't have that then what is the rationale for maintaining separate male and female events mm-hmm. in the discus or in the 800 meters so then what is that point and i don't know necessarily that the level of testosterone they want to they want to make her bring her testosterone level below three whatever it is you know per, mm-hmm. per whatever and currently it's thought to be somewhere around 10 mm-hmm. um and i don't know whether that is the right thing I, always, I, 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 I simply want people who say Custis Amenia must be allowed to run without, <coughs> uh, without interfering at all with her naturally occurring testosterone levels to say, okay, fair enough, then, then, then how do you? you it, it's, not about, it's not about the presence of male genitalia. Rachel McKinnon, who is a transgender mountain cyclist, has won a gold medal despite having, as a female, despite having male genitals because her testosterone levels are below the level set by her governing body. So is is it chromosomes and intersex people have chromosomal abnormalities? First of all, we are all over the show in this discussion. We're using words like transgender and and intersex as if they're interchangeable, which they absolutely are not. They're not, of course. And the science around testosterone is still highly contested. Some of it is frankly junk. If you have read the book Testosterone Rex by Cordelia Fine, in which she systematically debunks a lot of the assumptions that we ascribe to the effects of testosterone on the body of not just humans, but, but animals as well. You know, they, there's a lot of this stuff is up in the air. And I think that until we have a more conclusive read on what testosterone does, what it is exactly, then that I fail to see why casters should be made the pawn of the athletics that, industry. Th- that is my point, that we, we don't know. We must be careful about why we are supporting Casta. She's ours. She's a winner. We want winners. This country needs winners. She is one. She has she has suffered extraordinary exclusion in her early days, and she has shown immense courage and grace in taking whatever some of the really, really nasty people out there have thrown at her. And, we're and she's also, borne that with immense dignity and strength. And we're also conscious, John, of the you know, the universe of racism that has been directed at strong black female athletes a- who abs- are not in absolutely. any way, you know, gender ambiguous, including Serena but Williams. We still need some way of determining what is a man and what is a woman. And if that and something is the IAAF, then John, honestly, shoot me to Mars because why they should be the arbiter suddenly of gender and sex well, in this now, universe. It's now the CAS that is the arbiter of that. Either. Either one. So either who, one. Who should be the arbiter? Ideally. Ideally. The individual. Ideally the individual. I, I, I'm a female. Ideally the individual. And, and, and if, I, if I say I'm a female, is that enough? 
can I then go and run in female races simply through that declaration of gender identity, is there any which I think outside of sport, which is gender differentiated, is entirely fine. Is there if any George wants to self-identify as a woman, go for it. No matter what your hormonal, no matter what your gonadal, what, no matter what anything else is. If you want to self-identify as a woman, cool. But if you're competing in male and female events, then what is the difference? Is there any evidence that there will be a corresponding deluge of people running up to the start of races to say, oh, I'm going to fake my way into the... I mean, that slippery slope argument doesn't hold. We've never seen any evidence that there are people legitimately trying i'm being suggested okay. at yeah, by george and silence because i am a woman john we no, both no, know no, it no we we're both being silenced because it's two minutes past four <laughs>